Hello, boys, and welcome back to another Doughboys podcast on an off week. Letting uh, Josh and Sloan have have the week off. And today we bring you a special guest, kind of an honorary third Doughboy, as I would I would think he would consider himself. And that is uh, Mr. Michael Wood. So, Mike, you want to say hi to the group? I am working on achieving my doughiness. So uh, give me a year or two and I'll, I'll be in full form. So also real quick rebuttal to Sloan last week. Uh, There is no fear in being fat. Nope. My life more things to be afraid of in life than being fat. (laughs) Right. Take embrace the pudginess gentlemen. Embrace last week. You were taught to embrace the bald this week. You need to embrace the dough. Yep. I'm doing both. Mike, you're you're nowhere close to our to our level of doughiness, <laughs> so you've got nothing to worry about. But you're you're a somewhere. dough boy in spirit. There we go. But, uh, anyway, welcome to the pod, everybody. We're excited to be here tonight. Uh, we're we've got we've got an interesting pod. We're we're switching things up a little bit, right? We're uh, taking a page out of Josh and Sloan's book. We're gonna do. Uh, kind of a quick recap of, of the league, and then uh, it's going to be a little bit of an open discussion this week. So we're going to see where it takes us. Um, but you you come to the Doughboys uh, for some some hard hitting fancy analysis, so you know you're going to get that this week. Um, let's start off, guys, with just uh, just a, a quick recap here. What we just finished week six, I believe, of the league. Yep, week six of uh, the our third season in the Dynasty League. So we're we're almost halfway through, crazy, which is crazy to believe. Uh, it does feel like the season just started. Um, Mike, we'll start with you. What are your uh, initial thoughts on on the week six results and and subsequent standings? Week six, honestly, just another like exclamation point on exactly what this season is. You had Josh, Tommy, Sloan. Uh, and Dylan all finishing in the top four in some order, which is pretty much, you know, they've diverged from everybody else and Sloan putting up another top week uh, out of everybody. And then, um, you know, the rest of us kind of just bouncing around somewhere between fifth and last for the week. So, um, you know, really just getting a bit repetitive. Um, I know Sloan likes to brag about, you know, it being a, such a dominant league by all the, the four top teams and we might talk about how that'll change over the rest of the season later. But as of right now, it's just the same week on repeat. It feels like so um, honestly, not much to analyze on that week alone. It's just uh, another iteration of kind of what we've seen so far. Matt, what about you? What are your thoughts? Uh, Honestly, the big one of the things that stood out to me was another last place finish from on good, sadly for him. And it was like a I mean, I came in second to last and I beat him by 32 points, which the fact that I beat last place by 32 and got two table points to show for it just feels criminal. And I was so close to passing Mike, too off by like half a point. And then Brian, you were next right after that at like a point and a half later. Yep. So, um, you know, still an interesting like dynamic of the table to kind of look at and see. Um, but yeah, I mean, on good, like we've talked about on goods team, just not being that good. And last week was another iteration in that story, but it was just like drastic how far behind he is. Shout out to Austin too for uh, gaining some distance on away from last place. Uh, finished ahead of On Good and the three of us. Um, so kudos to him. I think uh, too something you know that stood out to me about this week was it just really felt like a missed opportunity from uh, some of our, our middle teams to make up any kind of ground on the top four. Like you know, really looking. I mean, I guess you know. It's it's kind of just me, maybe. You know, Matt, you're still hanging around in that middle tier. Colin was in that middle tier. Uh, you know, Austin could maybe even be lumped in there. But uh, you just you got subpar performances from the top four, at least for their standard, uh, outside of maybe Sloan. Even Sloan had a little bit less of a week than he normally does. And just nobody was able to capitalize. Like you had, you know, you had Dylan at 126 points. You had Josh at, you know, 121 and a half. You had Tommy at 125. 
like that would have been a beautiful opportunity for, you know, for, for my team, for Collins team, for Matt's team, you know, to, to go put up even just like a 130, like, so, you know, a score that, that our teams have gotten to in the past. Um, you know, like if I, you know, had taken any of my previous four week scores, I would have beaten all of those teams. But I put up, you know, the least amount of points I've, I've put up in the last five weeks and, and I don't, you know, I end up losing ground all of them. So uh, to me, it was a really big missed opportunity, you know, um, looking at, you know, like Matt, your team, uh, you know, you've, you've kind of had back to back weeks in the same range. But before that, you had three weeks that would have put you right up there, you know, to be able to make up some ground on those top four. So, you know, these weeks don't come around, you know all the time you got to take advantage of them when they come and that's you know potentially something that might might separate uh playoff teams from non-playoff teams by by the end of the year yeah it's uh it's it's been a strong i think a strong showing for matt altogether you know this is his second worst week of the season so far but um you know with matt pretty clearly signaling that he's going to be uh you know, tanking or rebuilding, whatever you want to call it this season. It is, there's like no better feeling than when you're doing that. And you still have just like a handful of guys go off so that you just finish middle of the table for a good number of weeks. And uh, I can't help but smile when Matt has been doing that. So, um, you know, mm-hmm. he if he can just like for every two point week, if he can have a, a five or six point week following that, I mean, he is totally in good shape, and um, you just kind of ride it out for the rest of the season if you're doing that. So, way to go, Matt. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, any other thoughts on, on the Week 6 results? Not much. Just kind of a, a repeat of what we've seen. I agree. I think it's going to be interesting these next uh, next couple of weeks here. We're, we're hitting heavy, heavy buy season uh, here over the next couple of weeks. I know I'm running a bare bones unit uh, this week. You know, I know some other teams are too. Uh, Josh is just subbing out uh, his, his all-star bench for his all-star starter. So it won't change much for him, but for the rest of us, uh, this is where the road meets the road. You gotta, you gotta make those uh, smart decisions. So it's going to be interesting to see how the, how the, uh, league shakes out these next couple of weeks as we get into to buy season. So um, real quick, let's jump into uh, let's knock out waivers real fast. There were some interesting uh, waiver battles that happened um, first uh, for, you know, on the first run on Tuesday, um, I got Jordan Mason for $350 dropped Matt Breda. Uh, the next closest bid, Mike, you were at 311. So just what $39 dollar uh, short. Um, and then we'll kind of lump these two together. I also get Craig Reynolds from the Lions, uh, drop Donovan Peoples-Jones, who I've been trying to trade for like the better part of two years now. Finally gave up on him. But uh, and I was at two sixty nine, and Mike put in two fifty nine. So two really close bids between Mike and I here for some running backs. Two running backs that are probably only relevant for a, a week, maybe two. Um, as as some starters are out, but uh, with how desperate I am for for running backs, it felt like uh, you know it felt like running backs that I could use. So, Mike, what are your thoughts on those first two? Yeah, I think the two battles that I I happened to lose to you signal that you know the state of both of our running back rooms. This is this is where you find yourself mid season <laughs> when you uh, could use some help. So, uh, yep. yeah, I was it was a little upset to not get either of those, but. Um, you know, when you're, when you're penny pinching, you can't get too frustrated when somebody's willing to actually pay for somebody. So, um, are I you, think they'll uh, be, yeah, go ahead. Are you a loyal member of the, uh, I hate running backs club? I, I'm not sure I'd be hate, but I, I'm at a strong dislike level right now. So, you yeah. know, um, occasionally they'll do something that, redeems himself but for the most part it is just it's just not a fun world to live in unless you're slow and you have McCaffrey that's that's the totally. only way it's fun yeah now uh what uh membership level of of the club are you at uh I love running backs <laughs> specifically my running backs I have had incredible output this year from Kenneth Walker and Isaiah Pacheco and David Montgomery um, 
two guys I traded for and when I drafted. So, you know, feeling good about that. Um, I've been extremely loyal to Chuba Hubbard since the dynasty league started and he rewarded me with 15 points. Um, so, you know, I, I would honestly say running back is like the only strong suit of my team. That, that I just have. means and that I, just means they've yet to disappoint you later in the season. Right? Yes. <laughs> well, the crazy and the crazy you look at all this running back stuff, and it's like, I mean, the running backs I rattled off that are on my team, like outside of Kenneth Walker, I think everybody can agree that none of them are top 15, like in terms of just like pure talent in the NFL. Montgomery, Pacheco, Hub, like those guys aren't top 15, not even top half NFL running backs, and yet I'm getting solid consistent outputs so you know we talk about fantasy football being a crapshoot all the time like running back is literally that 100 percent. yep running back no is uh, a bunch of luck um so some other interesting kind of waiver wire uh movement here so sloan uh adds one player who is not on a roster and drops another player who's not on a roster um including uh one that's retired so he's really making uh, these these moves along, you know, along the edges of his team, uh, you know, banking on one of them signing with an actual NFL game at some point. Um, any thoughts on Leonard Fournette rejoining Sloan's roster <laughs> for one hundred and seven dollars? <laughs> uh, I mean, it sounded like he was going to work out for the Bills, but even if he does join the Bills. Uh, you know, he's clearly second fiddle there for a team that just doesn't feed their backs too much. So, uh, I mean, I, I guess it's fine if it somehow leads to him getting the starting job after an injury, but uh, I think he could have uh, not wasted his fab on that sort of move. I'm just excited for Leonard Fournette to sign for a team, get like, his first carry run for maybe seven yards and then Sloan immediately puts him on the trade block. <laughs> Anybody uh, put in an offer on Dalton Schultz the, for the third or fourth time that he's been on the trade block this season. <laughs> I'll tell you what, I peppered him with like Zach Ertz and a fourth for a few, a few weeks straight, but you know, no takers. Yeah. I, I'm not sure if Sloan understands that, when somebody's like tied in number five on the season, that means he's probably only like three points better than tied in 15. Yep. Uh, it's really just like Kelsey, Hawk, Andrews, and then Kittle. just like a spread of, you know, 10 guys with nearly the same points per game. So totally. The other thing you have to look at is points per game, not the sleeper rankings, because sleeper just takes into total points scored when they rank. Uh, rank by position group so like if a tight end has had a buy already then that zero factors into their you know overall ranking as opposed to like how many points are you scoring per game totally, totally. what uh so matt you decided to hop on the trey mcbride bandwagon which uh mean to me means that he's about to break out because i held him for a year and a half and Finally yep. dropped him. Yep. Uh, you uh, you buying the Trey McBride hype? I mean, I don't know there's much hype, but I am buying the fact that, I don't know if you saw the data about him, but he, for the first time like in his career, played more snaps than Zach Ertz overall in the game by like 14 or something like that. Now he didn't run, like in terms of routes ran, I think they were still pretty comparable, but the fact that he is now on the field longer uh, or more often than Ertz is good. You know, Kyler Murray might be coming back. So, I mean, if they suck, if they suck and they're trying to let Kyler ball out to like increase his trade value or what, like might as well, they might go young and now it's McBride season. That sounds about right for a, uh, uh, player that I dropped. So he was, a, he has a second round pick. Good capital, you know? Yep. All those fantasy terms we love to use. Yeah, that's true. Okay. Let's, enough of that. Let's move on to what the people really came for tonight. They came for the, the blockbuster deal 
of the of the year, maybe of the entire league. Would you guys say this is the biggest deal in league history? Or do you think there are bigger ones? It could have been Colin and Josh's trade from a couple of years ago. I think Cup, Kelsey, Debo. Yeah. With a, a CD Devante. Yeah. 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 But this is this is on the top three uh, pedestal. Totally. So for those of you that, that don't remember, uh, Josh got Devontae Adams, Stephon Diggs, and CeeDee Lamb, otherwise known as three of the top ten receivers in fantasy, and sent DJ Moore, Puka Nakua, Collins 2024 first. Or sorry, how am I misreading this? Colin gets two 2024 20, firsts. I'm having trouble with where I'm looking to see whose those were. It was and it was his and it was yours. Mine. Okay, yep. So he gets his first, my first this year, and he gets a 2024 second, which I believe was on gets. So uh-huh. 2.01 most likely. Um before we before we go any farther, uh, what were your guys' gut reactions to the deal? Uh Matt, we'll start with you. In a vacuum. I didn't necessarily hate the haul that Colin got back for them. I personally am not a huge believer in DJ Moore. Um, but if, I mean, the trend continues and he can be at least serviceable enough to continue to start, like that's great. He's younger than the receivers he gave up outside of CD lamb. So that works in Colin's favor. The Puka Nakua hype, you know, I don't know if I'm giving up, bona fide studs for him but um you know to be to be determined on that one getting his first and your first his first inherently gains a lot of value by trading those three receivers because now his team is not very good at all um so i guess collins like banking and hoping that he can finish second to worst and barely be on goods that way he gets the second pick in the draft um and then your middle pick and two one um you know I think it's a risky move on Colin's part. I think it's a really smart move on Josh's part to try to just amp up his team with as many high floor, high ceiling players as he physically possible can, like possibly can. So, yeah, I agree. Mike, what are your initial reactions? Yeah, I, I definitely agree that on you know on paper, I think it's a, a close to even trade. So. No talk of anybody getting fleeced, so to speak. But um, I, it's just confusing for me. I just I don't understand where Colin's going with his team. It this is kind of a one eighty trade in terms of where it takes you. Only a couple of weeks after he kind of set his sights on maybe being a uh, contending team as the season goes on. Um, I know. He had talked about possibly not renting because, you know, that suddenly is a controversial term. But he had talked about kind of flipping a few of these older guys that he's recently bought after he makes sure that he's out of Waffle House contention. I got to say, I'm not sure he's out of Waffle House contention. I, I have two. Hold that thought because I got two questions for you guys that I'm hit, 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 well, hit you guys with after we do this initial conversation. And that's getting into one of the topics. So. Hold on to that thought. Okay, uh, I will. Yeah. Any other initial gut reaction to the trade? Um, the, the last part I'd say um, is that, as an you know, as an observer from the outside, I feel like that hurts to give up CD Lamb. You want to give up Adams and Diggs because you know they're getting older. They might not fit a timeline of yours unless you're Dylan, Josh, Sloan, and Tommy. So giving up lamb as a part of that feels like it totally um, changes the tone of what that trade does for your team. Overall, like I said, I think it's pretty, pretty even in terms of value gained versus lost, but um, yeah, some strategy going on. I, I, I guess I, so I agree that I don't think this trade is, is unfair necessarily. I don't think anybody got fleeced. I, I told Colin as much. Like, I, you know, he's got to do what he's got to do for his team. I, you know, that's totally fair. Um, to me, this just screams like nobody else in our league could pull this trade other than Josh. Like, there is no way 
anybody, excuse my language, would have the balls to go to Colin and ask for CeeDee Lamb, uh, Devontae Adams, and Stephon Diggs. And, like, I don't, I don't think there's any other league member that could have gotten Colin to agree to to part with those three like i now obviously a lot of that is because josh has put together this absolute war chest of assets that he can throw at any deal he wants to get somebody to listen but i just would when this trade came through like if the names hadn't been attached and obviously i hadn't known who who belonged to what team i I, you would have known right away it was josh there's just no way anybody else could have convinced a league member to do that other well, than Josh. I'd like to point something out. I'm sure he would argue otherwise. But for this entire season, I think one part that has not gone said that should is how lucky uh, Josh was that he had two early injured players. He had Kyler immediately IR eligible. Yep. A couple days later, Cooper Cup immediately IR eligible. And, you know, that's after we all had to drop people. Uh, you know, since IR goes away, unless yeah. you have somebody injured. So he was the earliest one to have guys injured, and that allowed him to pick up somebody like Puka. Uh, you'll remember he was on my roster. I had to drop him. Yep. Um, or would have had to, like, 48 hours later. Um, so, you know, the short-term pain of having a couple guys injured really paid off for Josh. Um, yeah. You know, credit to him for picking up the right guy. But, um yeah. You talk about luck always contributing. That's definitely a, a nuance that goes and, in his favor. And we don't we don't have to get into to relitigating all this, but let's just let's call a spade a spade here. And that Josh wouldn't have had these assets had he not absolutely fleeced some people in trades in the past. Like there is n- like and and I'm not I'm you know we we reviewed all the trades this off season. Like there were some trades that seemed like you know, huge leasings in the past that actually turned out to be decent deals. And there were, there were deals that, that we thought were fair that turned out to be pretty lopsided. But at the end of the day, Josh has come out way on top of some massive deals that either, you know, poor, poor management decisions or, or just, you know, luck having to kind of fall his way. Like he is the only one in the league that has built up a work list as, as deep as his, even the other playoff teams aren't, you know, Dylan is kind of close, but like, you know, the, Josh is in a stratosphere all his own from these deals. And and it's allowed him to, to strike, you know, at a time like this. To go on to your point about, you know, obviously it's Josh being the one, a part of such a blockbuster like this. I will say to his credit, like as annoying as he was early on in the dynasty, like the birth of the league trying to trade with like four different people every week for the entirety of that first season. I will say to his credit and Mike, this goes to your credit as well, like really maximizing the current value of people and kind of like also maximizing future value where some people, like some of us were still trying to figure out what our system was on like how we value and ranked I mean, the number of first round picks that you guys got in 2022, 2023, and 2024 over the last two years, like obviously for you, your team was really bad. So you're holding on to the picks because you're trying to kind of like build from the draft. But for Josh, like getting those picks to then be able to flip said picks to get players to then tear down those players who now all of a sudden reinvent their careers and then trade them for picks to then, you know, he was just the relentlessness of his trades, like is a testament to him being able to get these firsts and seconds to be able to have, you know, some lopsided deals. You can't have lopsided deals if you don't make them constantly. Yeah. Yeah, totally. He, uh, you know, it would be inaccurate to say, that he's won every trade he's done in. And I'm sure he would say the same thing, but if you can, what, if you've done what he does, which is just kind of win, win every two out of three trades that really builds up over time. So he, he's grinded it out, but it gradually has just built this fortress of his. So 
uh, and credit I, where credits I, do. I want to be clear too. Like I'm not, I'm not even calling out one specific trade or one specific, you know, owner. When I say that, like I gave, I, I gave him Geno Smith for a third and Irv, you know, Irv Smith or something like that. Like mm-hmm. everybody, I think every, almost everybody in this league has made a deal that they regret with Josh and, you know, it's credit to him and he has built up, you know, built up enough, enough assets to be able to pull this off. But again, like I, I just come back to like, I, I was discussing like Stefan Diggs with Colin. Like that that was all I even conceived of. I would never have even tried to put together a, a deal for all three of them at once. And like I that just blows my mind. But so I got two quick hitting questions here for you guys. Just, you know, I want want initial reactions. It, first off, is Colin safe from Waffle House? Mike first. He's absolutely not. And I want to point back to last season. So I was looking at this earlier today. It, after week six had concluded of last season, um, Austin was beating me. I was at last in last place at the time. He was somewhere in the middle of the pack. Austin was beating me by 14 table points. Three weeks later, only three weeks later, he was only beating me by one point. And so you look at the table now, Collins got only a nine point spread over on good. Wow. I'm not saying on good has to finish first, even any week. I'm just saying, you know, finish three spots above Colin for three weeks in a row. And you are looking at close to a tie ball game. So wow. he's not safe. Of course, I'm not safe. You know, anybody, really anybody outside of the four likely playoff teams is not safe. Um, so, you know, it can totally. happen quickly. He got bye weeks and injuries kind of ramping up right now. He is not safe. Matt, you agree? I 100% agree with that. And it's like you look at their, you look at the projections, even heading into this week, like Collins projected 10 more points than Ongood right now. But in all actuality, like how reliable are these projections? Like, you know, the how people do is so random with how things go. But, you know, like Derek Carr does not look good right now at all against the Jaguars. So, you know, he might be having a terrible, a terrible game and do nothing. You know, DJ Moore and the Bears could like falter in their offense and DJ Moore goes for one catch. And then all of a sudden for on good, Green Bay's playing Denver and, Jordan Love and Romeo Dobbs connect for three touchdown passes. You know, like it's, I 100% agree. I think it was a bold move to make. I think the move itself was bold. I think doing it now with only a nine point lead, like you're really banking on finishing ahead of On Good. And that's also Colin, like if On Good finishes ahead of Colin, like that might happen. But Colin's also banking on like Mike's team or my team or Tommy's team this week, not finishing like not in between there to let on good gain more points on him. So, yeah, I'm, I'm real quickly, just, I'm just out of pure curiosity. I'm going on my dynasty nerds account here and I'm going to re like (laughs) redo the trade. And just because I'm, I'm really curious what, what this says and don't get me wrong it's not this is not the you know dynasty bible here i especially think they underrate first round picks but i am curious it was there a second and a third involved in that two firsts and a second two firsts and a second okay um okay so dj Moore, puka nikua two firsts and a second right yep okay this has it as a 27% 27% value improvement for Josh and an 11% value loss for Colin. Not only do I think it's a, not only do I think it's a value improvement uh, for Josh, uh, it's a timeline improvement. It doesn't change his timeline, but it, he's doubling down on trying to be this year's winner. And he's doing that effectively in my book. Yeah. 
Um, 20, I will say I put a lot of trades through that thing that I have actually agreed to. 27% is insane. That is a massive amount of value. I I do think it's a on paper closer to even trade than that. Um, but when you consider the the situation of each team, I definitely think you know it yeah. makes a lot more sense for Josh than it did for Colin. Yeah. On uh, I just typed it into keep keep trade cut <clears throat> another very basic ah, Sloan's go to. Yeah. Well, so keep trade cut is very much in the moment. And I think it is the worst calculator you could possibly lose mainly use mainly because right now keep trade cut has DJ Moore and Puka Nakuda Nakua, like higher fantasy assets than Devonte Adams, which I mean, give it what it is like Devontae's almost 31. He's in a terrible offense. Like how many more good years does he actually have? But keep trade cut has Colin winning in a, a landslide. Yeah. Interesting. Keep trade cuts. Very interesting. So it, it's like a 6,000 point difference. And it says like, you know, players to add to even the trade. They think that Josh should be getting one of Jalen Waddle, Chris Olave, Travis ETN, or Kenneth Walker to balance oh out God. the trade. If you, if you ever thought that keep trade cut was a, was a good source, that trade should tell you. <laughs> should tell you uh, how accurate that is. That's absurd. Unbelievable. Um, okay, that was good. Second, second hard-hitting question here. Kind of tongue-in-cheek. Is this a rental? Matt, first. Oof. That's <laughs> that's the hard-hitting stuff the Doughboys like to talk about. So here's the if we want if we want to actually go deep into the rental thing. Last year, Josh gave Colin CD Lamb. So are we calling this just like a one-year CD Lamb rental? True. Because the only <laughs> the only aspect of rental we can claim is Lamb slash Diggs. You know, I don't. The I'm gonna. I mean, you know, just to play devil as devil's advocate for that statement, I don't think this is a. I don't think this is a rental. Um, again, it's based off of like, I think you can see clear intent here by Josh. The other thing that's like drastically different is like this trade that they just agreed upon at its core is very different than what was originally like yeah. done. You know, like Colin got. Stefan Diggs from Josh for, you know, those firsts or whatever. But like now we're talking about four other players and three other picks being involved as well. So I think, I think this was a Josh kind of seizing the moment, maybe also seeing that Colin was getting a little comfortable from not being in last place and capitalized on getting some guys that he wanted. Yeah. And of course, I I say that joke. Certainly, I don't. Think <laughs> I had Sorry. to ask the question, Mike. Sorry, do you Austin. Wanna, Mike, do you want to run us through uh, some of the homework that you did around kind of Colin's strategy, and that can launch us into just kind of an open open conversation about uh, league member strategy here. Yeah. So, I I looked at, you know, you can look at trades and then what you traded a piece of that for, and then what you traded the piece of that for. But I tried to look at what Colin kind of on a net basis has, has sent and gained from trades just involving these uh, couple players um, that he sent and, you know, recently acquired. So that's CD Lamb, Devontae Adams and Stefan Diggs. So, I actually excluded them from this in the sense that, you know, he gained them, but now he's also sent them away. So, you know, it's kind of a net net zero other than time that they're on his team, but I'll just read out the assets that he's given up as a part of those trades and received. And uh, I'll let you draw your own conclusions. So he has given up Travis Kelsey, Cooper cup, Debo Samuel, Drake London, Deandre Hopkins, then on the pick side, he's given up his own 2025 first, his own 2025 second, and 
he's given up uh, his own 2024 third. So what I'd say uh, is the best tight end in fantasy, obviously, and then four, um, you know, very strong wide receivers that anybody would want to have. He's received DJ Moore, Puka Nakua, Javante Williams, Christian Watson, uh, back last or uh, back um, yeah last year he received uh, 22 first rounder which was Jameson Williams is what it ended up being but you know you don't know that at the time uh, 2024 second belonging to on good so probably a a good 2024 second 2025 second from Brian and uh, Antonio Gibson um you know w- what do you guys think about the Net impact there. Uh, I know I, I sent you a picture so you could um, see it, but what are you guys' thoughts on kind of the balance of the net impact of all those trades? Here's my, like, I, I struggle with it because as, as everybody in this league knows, I really hate DJ Moore. So, like, I think he's one of the worst, like, startable players in fantasy. He's incredibly unreliable. If you ever got a good quarterback, maybe this is another conversation, but just like the top two, you know, two of the top assets that you get back being, you know, DJ Moore and then Puka Nakua, who like has very low draft capital, you know, kind of took advantage of Cooper Cup, you know, being out. He, you know, kind of had a had a middling week this last week as, you know, as Cooper Cup gets back, you know, reintegrated into the offense. Javante Williams has really not, you know, fully it doesn't seem like he's fully recovered yet nobody knows if he'll I mean he only had third round draft capital I believe so you know he's he's probably at, you know looking down the barrel of a, of a split backfield for you know a good chunk of his career and then you know Christian Watson looked pretty good but like to me when you see Kelsey and Cup and Debo I still like Drake London you know a first on the other side like it just I don't know it, it doesn't, doesn't feel, feel like there's there's, there's as much uh coming in as there's going out yeah, it's uh, to Colin's defense a bit. You you kind of have to defend the process, uh, in the sense that um, a couple of the players he traded for have not gone his way at the time. Though, you know who who are we to predict that they would have gone south on him? Um, totally. So I'm not totally judging the process, but just judging the results. It is a it's a tough net outcome for him compared to where he was, you know, year and a half, two years ago. I just, and I, I just go back to, and I think Brian and I have, I've mentioned this to, or maybe I texted this to both of you guys, like where Mm -hmm. would Colin's team be right now if he didn't make the blockbuster trade after that first season with Josh, like he, his team was, you know, we talk about Sloan and Josh mentioned uh, last week. Oh, are you having fun this dynasty season? Blah, blah, blah. Like last year or not last year, but that first year, Colin was in a runaway the entirety of the season. Like it was Colin and everybody else. And you want to talk about not having fun when we could predict like week three, Colin's going to win. Colin's going to win. And then we found out, you know, the playoffs, anything can happen once you're there. But I'm just like, you know, and I get the idea of dynasty and being, I don't want to have too many old people, but I just think he, he cashed in too soon on like those players values to try and get younger. And then, I mean, as Mike mentioned, like, you know, you can't fault him for the fact that Javante Williams suffers like a crazy knee injury and, you know, Antonio Gibson loses the starting job in Washington and, things like that. But I'm just like, man, the whole, like I, you know, we play this fantasy game to win the championship and he was right there at the cusp of it. And then hit the reset button. And now it just feels like Colin's been in scramble mode ever since. Yeah, I totally agree. I, he was, he was right there and I felt bad for him that it didn't break his way. That first season, I feel like he definitely deserved it. But uh, yeah, I mean, he, you know, he and he talked that offseason about, you know, wanting to to, to get younger. Um, 
and this is where you know you know mike you can probably get on this some too like maybe the the punishment of waffle house has has had too large of an impact on on his strategy in this league and um yeah i'd love to see him just commit to either commit to the tank or commit to you know constantly buying his way out of it like i question like next year cashes in these draft picks let's say he finishes second last in the boys waffle house like cashes in these draft picks he's not going to be good next year like you know we were just we were just talking on our last pod two weeks ago about how even even though like he you know made this deal to like get out of young players and like get get his team ready like we were both saying like this is a good team next year that's that's no longer the case like this is not a good team next year does he trade those rookies that he drafts you know in the top five this year for a you know next year's version of Devontae Adams and are we just like do we just repeat this cycle next year that's that was my question to him yeah it's a fair question I I think he just needs to settle on a direction for his team and just fully lean into it. Double double down on whatever that is, but right now he's it it just seems like a new direction every two or three weeks. So Yeah. What other uh, what other team strategies have interest interested you guys uh recently? You wanna start Matt or would you like me to You can go, Mike. Um I, I do think, Brian, your team's strategy is interesting, and um, it's kind of one I wish I had uh, tried to replicate on a more like detailed manner. Um, I like your strategy. Well, obviously, we agree on the, the whole running back uh, thing in fantasy <laughs> football, but um, the idea of having just like a handful of studs at wide receiver can get you a long way in a league like ours where you're starting so many uh, receivers or flex players and, you know, look where you find yourself. You find yourself possibly a, being a playoff contender, um, you know, four or five weeks down the line here. And um, obviously you're set up well for, for future years as well. So um, this is less about a strategy that you've, you know, executed in the last couple of weeks, but just, you know, prepping for this season and as this season started, um, I'm liking where your roster is for uh, semi-contention this year, but more serious contention in the next couple of years. I yeah, I appreciate that. I a lot of it was. I feel like I realized that I was kind of making I, for the first year or two of this league, I was just making deals whenever I felt like there was value. And I didn't necessarily have an, you know, a full strategy. I was just like, when somebody came to me with a deal that I saw value in, I took it. And there were certain players that were kind of exempt from that. Like Devonta Smith is a perfect example. I've loved Devonta Smith ever since he was drafted. Like I, he is almost untouchable on my roster. And I realized that like, for me to ever get to a point that I'm competing in this league, I need to like, almost handicap myself with a team of players that I view as almost untouchable because otherwise I will just always look to deal them for value and I will never get over the hump of actually winning. So to me, like I, that's why I put together, like I want, I want a true dynasty experience in terms of like, I want this, this core together for a long time. I think I'm going to struggle with depth. Like I think that's probably why I need this, three, four, five-year runway is because I definitely don't have the depth to win right now. And I'm hoping that I can build that over the next couple of years. But, yeah, I definitely appreciate that. Matt, uh, what are your thoughts or what are some other, you know, other team strategies that you're interested in? Um, I'm honestly kind of interested in the direction that Austin's going to be taking. I thought after the first year, I mean, Austin had a really good team. Um, did he make the playoffs? I think he did make the playoffs that first year because we went yeah, through because we had four like yeah. brand new playoff teams year two. Yeah. Uh, outside of Tommy. So like he went from a playoff contender, obviously Jonathan Taylor having a crappy year, Saquon getting hurt, like, you know, injuries suck. And Austin was a result of that. But I appreciated last, not this past off season, but after that first year and then like more so into like 
the middle of last season, Austin kind of being more open to, to making moves to, you know, capitalize on value and just kind of like break up his, his roster as needed. Um, I think it's going to be really interesting where he decides to take it from here uh, with like, who knows if Jerome Ford's going to stay like where he's at as like the lead back in Cleveland, Jonathan Taylor, Saquon. Um, he's got really nice young pieces in Olave. I think DK Metcalf is always going to be solid. Same thing with Terry McLaurin. Um, you know, he doesn't have crazy depth on his bench, but he still has, you know, his first round pick this year, a couple of seconds. We'll kind of see what's going on in Tennessee with the whole quarterback situation. But, you know, I think, I think Austin has a team similar to Brian's in that he's got like a decent core of players. The only difference is Austin's got three running backs that are kind of in the middle of their prime or like with Saquon on the back end of his prime. So I'll be curious to see if he's like, I'm going to ride it out to see if I can compete or maybe start dealing off some of those guys to try and get some, some value elsewhere. But just the fact that he's been more open to trades. I love it. I like seeing it. Makes me yeah. happy. Yeah, I totally agree. I'm uh one team strategy that I think we're always eternally interested in is, is Dylan's. Uh, and he's off to yet another hot start this week. But to me, I just, I, especially after Josh making a move like he did this week, like I, I can't help but wonder if Dylan is going to need to like make that plus up move before the trade deadline this year where he bundles, you know, two of his kind of B plus players to go get an A plus player. Like, you know, it, looking at, you know, looking at his bench, like, you know, a Tony Pollard, a Damian Pierce, a Cortland Sutton, a Marquise Brown, like a Kyle Pitts, you know, uh, Amari Cooper, DeAndre Swift, like a bunch of Michael Pittman, a bunch of players that like, almost every other team in the league would look to have starting and he doesn't have enough starting spots for all these guys. But at the same time, outside of Justin Jefferson, who's now injured for, you know, the next quarter of the season, like sometimes he lacks that, that top end talent outside of Michelle. So I, I wonder, you know, I'm, I'm going to be very curious. Uh, and I know I'm probably picking the wrong team to, to be curious about their strategy because, you know, most likely nothing's going to happen. Uh, on this front, but uh, I would love to see some movement on this front, and I would love to see Dylan push all his, you know, not even all his chips, actually. This wouldn't even be him pushing all his chips into the middle. This would be pushing maybe a quarter of his chips into the middle to try and go win this year while maintaining the rest of his chips for future years. So, um, yeah, I don't know. That's one that definitely intrigues me. I know uh, Wolves hit most of the teams in the league. Uh, by the end of this, but uh, two teams I'm going to kind of lump together that um, could get interesting uh, here as the, the season gets into its back half. Um, Sloan and Tommy, I would kind of classify them as the, the the non-deep contenders. So obviously both of them at this point look like they're going to be uh, playoff teams, but um, you know they historically have not been super acquisitive um, Sloan has, to his credit, uh, gone out and gotten a few guys this season, Mark Andrews and um, Miles Sanders. But you look at both of them, uh, they're an injury way from, you know, really struggling, I think, for uh, certain weeks. And, you know, Tommy might already be at that point. Looks like this week that we're heading into, he's maybe going to be on just a single quarterback uh, for one of at least three weeks for the rest of the season. So um, I'd, I'd be interested to see if either of those teams look at uh, a Josh or a Dylan and say, you know, I do need that one extra piece, even if it's not an A-plus asset. Um, do they go out and buy to either sure up some depth or maybe try to fill in a true starter slot with a, a bona fide uh, starting caliber player? So um We'll see, you know, injuries are forcing Tommy's hand more than they would Sloan's in the current moment. But, you know, that can change in the course of a couple of weeks. I think uh, 
I, I been a little surprised that Angen has been as quiet as he has this year. Like, he's just a, a in previous years, he's been making a lot of, you know, a lot of moves throughout the course of the year, it feels like. And this year, I mean, maybe you guys would disagree, but I would say he's been, he's been fairly quiet. And I'm really curious to see, um, you know, like if he looks to make any moves with, with like a Dak Prescott or a Joe Mixon or an AJ Dillon, um, maybe even Mike Williams, who's out of the year, like, you know, some of those players that, that he probably goes to Waffle House with or without them. So, you know, like, does he accept his fate at any point this year and, or, you know, uh, and make that move to, to maybe get some draft picks back or get some younger players? Um, I'll be curious to see what he does. If he does anything, the way he may just keep, keep the roster he's got. Yeah, the the unfortunate part for him, and you know, it's unfortunate because it's happening all across his roster. If he was wanting to sell some of those guys for picks or for other assets, it feels like for ninety percent of his players, he'd be selling at a, a general low point in their career, which is just unlucky. You expect that for like half your roster, and then you expect the other half to maybe be above average in terms of their trajectory. But he's he's gotten prices slashed, so to speak, across the board. And that just makes being a seller a lot more uh, gut-wrenching. Would you guys give a future first, not a 2024 first, for any one of Joe Mixon, Dak Prescott, A.J. Dillon, Mike Williams, trying to see if there's else that would want to that category? Alexander uh, Madison? Yeah, sure. Alexander Madison... Dallas Goddard, Jerry Judy, any of that group. Would you give up a future versus any of them just straight up? I'd probably give a first for Dak, just given the the nature of the QB position in our league. But other than that, you listed a lot of players where he would want to sell for like a late first and I would want to buy for like a second plus a third. Yeah. And, and that that's like one of those really big humps in trade talks. That's hard to get over because just the mental picture of switching from a first to second is really hard. Yeah. I, I think Mixon would have been his best opportunity, but with how sluggish of a start that Bengals offense got out to, like you can clearly see he's not as involved in the offense as he once was. So it's just tough, like, I guess being a year late on that. Alexander Madison hasn't kind of blown up as one would have hoped, even if you don't think Madison's going to be the running back after this season. Like like Mike was saying, just like the, the bad luck that swirls around on Good's team is downright incredible, especially not even just like performance-wise, but just like the value that his players have. Mike Williams gets hurt. You know, we're in a different story if Mike Williams goes off for like three weeks and then, you know, maybe that's somebody you can flip for a late first to somebody like Tommy or Sloan in that case. But, yeah, we'll never know. This this brings up an interesting topic. I'm going to throw out a little bit of a hot take. I want your guys' opinions. I think an early to mid-second round pick is one of the most underrated assets in Dynasty. I think that, and here's my argument, everybody loves first-round picks. Everybody thinks, like, first-round picks are gold. I I would say everybody values them generally appropriately. I think everybody views third-round picks as more or less useless and just kind of toss-ins to deals. Like, maybe if it's close, like an extra third-round pick will push it over the top. But I feel like I found in my experience, like, if you're trying to upgrade, if you're trying to trade, you know, like, uh, you're trying to take that tier upgrade and you guys are, you guys are not close on a deal, tossing a second-round pick in there even though the hit rate is probably only 30 to 40% on those guys, if that, it feels like it has an outsized impact on trade negotiations versus what 
in my opinion, second round picks are actually valued at. You guys think that's fair? I agree with the take. I, I feel like I'm acutely aware of this since I seem to miss on like two thirds of the first round picks I make. And then I look at like, oh, well, who who could I have taken five picks later? And it's some early second rounder who's just already like, oh, duh, should have taken that guy. Yeah, uh, I, I totally agree with you. It's often, it seems to me like it's often like that guy who's maybe not as sexy, but he just makes so much sense as a productive actual player right out of the gate. And yet he gets bypassed for maybe a couple uh, good landing spot players or players who got a lot of hype. Um, but you look at that, like, you know, 2.1 to 2.4 range. That is, I think, a really good spot to be situated. Um, like you said, and it gets less publicity or credit than it probably deserves. Yeah, I concur. Uh, yeah. I, yeah, I think they're I think they're incredibly valuable trade negotiations. So, um, I think we're we're probably running close to an hour here. Do you guys have any uh, have any other conversations you wanted to have? Any other uh, topics you wanted to hit on? Well, I uh, I made that point about why I think Colin's not safe from Waffle House. I'll take a similar mindset and put it towards the playoffs uh we've got brian and matt sitting around the 30 point mark 15 points behind josh uh importantly 17 points behind tommy i think as much as we like to say there are four dominant teams with tommy's injury situation piling up and now looking at at least three weeks where he only has one qb at the moment, one QB going to be starting. I think anybody who can stay, you know, within arm's reach of those four teams has a real chance of sneaking in in like a last week stunner. So, uh, yeah. given given what you've sold, Matt, I think that probably applies more to Brian. But <laughs> you're still putting points up, so I, I won't rule you out. But I think you guys. Um, you know, I think it's a actual legitimate shot. It's not just like a 10% shot. I think there's like a one third chance one of you guys, uh, likely Brian sneaks in, um, or at least makes this really close by the time week 12 and 13 roll around. Yeah. That's, that's what I'm banking on. Because our playoffs are what week? Is it 15, 16, 17? Yeah, it's four uh, weeks, so it'd be 14, 15, 16, 17, I believe. Is it four weeks, yeah. or is it, it's three weeks playoffs, right? Oh, it is three. I think you're right. I think it is three. So 15, 16, 17? I don't concern myself with making the playoffs, so I don't even know how to answer <laughs> this question. I mean, I know, I know we don't, I know we don't use the last week of the season, which would be week eighteen. So that's what I'm going to say. Which, like, this is a crucial week, being week seven. Like, assuming the last week of the regular season is week fourteen. You're looking at this is the official like this week will be the official halfway point of the season. Like, I mean, like Mike mentioned earlier with like the the ground he covered on Austin, like it takes one mass clump of buys, one really bad week, one down week from everybody in general to have, you know, Brian beat, you know, Tommy finishes second to last just ahead of on good, but Brian beats the two of them and beats you and me and Colin Dylan has an off week. And all of a sudden Brian just tossed up an eight while Tommy's getting a two. Now that 17 point lead is cut to 11, you know, and the next week Brian beats him by three points. And now it's like, Oh my gosh, Brian's within eight with five weeks left. Like crazier things have happened. Crazier things could happen. And I just think, like you said, I don't I don't think Colin is necessarily safe from Waffle House. I don't think it's a foregone conclusion that those four teams are going to be the four representatives in the playoffs. Yeah, I would agree. I think there's a chance. That's why, that's why we you play the game. Play the games. Yep. That's why we play the games. You play to win the game. That is awesome. Uh, cool. Any any last thoughts for uh, 
you know, well, let's be honest, probably at this point, it's just, uh, just Josh listening, but, uh, any last thoughts for Josh before we, before we sign off? Good job trading, Josh. <laughs> yeah. I hate offering a compliment to him, but <laughs> we got to tip our, got to tip the cat, give credit where credit's due. Yep. Great management, Josh. Okay, cool. Well, uh, that will wrap it up for another hard hitting week of Doughboys analysis. Mike, thanks for joining. Matt, thanks for joining. You guys crushed it. Uh, Yeah, and to the rest of the group, uh, we will see you guys later. Good luck this week.